your Bibles tonight, if you will, please turn to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah tonight, and we are talking about what's so wonderful about worship, and we started on this last uh, Wednesday, and I don't think we're going to be here very long, but uh, uh, just a, maybe, you, maybe you'd call this a mini-series. I, I, I knew there was no way I was going to get all this done in one Wednesday night, uh, just way too important what I want to give you. And uh, so I hope, you'll, I hope you'll hang in there with me tonight. And you, you guys, listen, you guys are great. You're a great crowd to preach to. Um, I, I, I know I can preach what, what the Lord's laid on my heart. I know I can preach it to you all tonight. You know, I talked about being picky a while ago. And I, I'm going to be honest. Some of the things I'm going to mention tonight to some would seem picky. Uh, but I, I believe this. I believe God is worth being picky about. Yes, sir. And so, uh, anyway, let's just get into it tonight, and let's see where the Lord leads us. So, Nehemiah chapter number 8 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. And I'm going to read again, I'm going to read a little bit more Scripture than I would normally read, but I want you to, to get the idea of what's going on here, and we're going to sort of preach through all 13 of these verses tonight. So, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 1 says, And all the people gathered themselves together, as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema, Ananiah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Maseiah on his right hand. And on his left hand, Padaiah and Mishael and Malchiah and Hashem and Hashpadana, Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbathai, Hodijah, Masiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jozabad, Hanan, Peleah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law, or they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha or governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. Uh, for this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth or joy because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers 
of all the people, the priest and the Levites and the Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. You may be seated tonight, and we're going to sort of preach through those verses just a little bit tonight. And I want to talk to you about this subject once again. What's so wonderful about worship? Uh, and so, so many things I could say, but I'm just going to get right into it tonight. We're going to pray and jump right into it. And I'll uh, just mention some of the, the uh, points that we mentioned last uh, Wednesday, and then we're going to give you a brand new material tonight. So let's go to the Lord and pray tonight uh, and pray. Father, thank you for your blessings. And Lord, thank you f- for the opportunity to be back in the house of the Lord tonight. Oh God, I pray that you would direct our path And I pray that you would direct in this service tonight, uh, Lord, I pray that you would give us a great spirit, and I pray the Spirit of God would have liberty, Lord, to work here tonight, that the Spirit of God would flow like water, and, and Lord, that you would teach us from your word tonight. That's what we need, Lord. We, We need the word tonight. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us concerning this thing of worship. Father, uh, arrest our attention and direct our minds towards your word, magnify your word. Lord, you've said you've magnified your word above your very name. And so I pray tonight you'd magnify your word in our hearts and minds tonight. And uh, Lord, help us to learn, help us to be challenged. And uh, Lord, uh, give me your power, please. We love you and praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all the Lord's people said, Amen. We said last week, why does the Bible make such a huge issue and go into so much intricate detail concerning the worship of the Hebrew people? Now, we could, and uh, we may do that a little bit later on, uh, go into the New Testament and talk to you about worship, but I'm specifically sort of camping out in the Old Testament right now. Uh, We said last week the very theme of the book of Exodus is basically God freeing his people solely for the purpose of worship. Uh, if we're not careful, we might miss that. We get the idea that, that, uh, uh, that the whole theme behind the book of Exodus is God setting his people free, and it was. But God had a purpose for setting his people free, and it was for the purpose of worship. We also said last week that Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, is practically an entire book set aside for the purpose of directing Israel concerning their worship, the worship of the uh, Mosaic or the Old Testament sacrifice. The word worship is used in 18 Old Testament books and worship is mentioned at least 102 times throughout the scripture. Now, several things we gave you last week. Number one, we said this, that worship, as far as the Old Testament's concerned, worship was enormously important. It was important. By the way, still important today. Uh, But it was enormously important. That's why the Bible takes so much time and space and it teaches on worship, not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. Now, we said, uh, first of all, that worship, the reason worship was so enormously important is because worship encompassed God's redemptive plan. The Old Testament worship was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a picture of the gospel. We also said next that worship encouraged the presence of God. That's why worship was so important. The Bible says in Psalm 22, verse number three, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So worship was enormously important. 
uh, and, and for those two reasons. But I want to go a little further tonight, and we're just going to camp out on this one this evening. This is as far as we're going to go tonight. Number two, worship was an event. Worship was an event. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, stay with me, and I think you'll understand what I'm talking about here in just a minute. Uh, worship in the Old Testament and New Testament as well, but worship was a happening. It was a purposeful celebration. And by that I mean this, the more I study the Word of God, the more I understand that worship was never something that was just that that just happened to happen. That wasn't the way it was. It was never seemingly thrown together at the last minute. Now, again, thinking about this, and uh, and I'm 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 limited. I, I'm going to try my best to do this in thirty minutes tonight. Uh, but as I was thinking about that, uh, that that last statement, it was never seemingly thrown together at the last minute. As I put that in the outline, I thought, Lord, are there any exceptions to that rule in the Bible? And there are. There are some exceptions. There are some examples of that in the Bible where, where worship was, was entered into very haphazardly, for instance. The Bible tells us about two men by the name of Nadab and Abihu who treated worship very recklessly. Now you say, Pastor, how did that turn out? God killed them. And then I thought about another place where the Bible says that King Saul was waiting on the prophet Samuel to arrive to present the, uh, the sacrifice, the offering. And the Bible tells us that King Saul became impatient and he didn't want to wait on the prophet Samuel anymore. So he took worship into his own hands and Saul began to do that priestly work that was only set aside for the priest. You say, Pastor, how did that turn out? The Bible says right after that that God took the kingdom from King Saul. And so worship is something that never just happened to happen. Now, that's why I wanted to draw your attention to Nehemiah chapter 8 tonight. And I want us to see a few things, and we'll do this real quickly tonight. i got several points, but they're all real quick points tonight. Several things uh, we see, five things specifically we see about the worship service of Nehemiah tonight. Number one is we see planning. Now, look at Nehemiah chapter 8 in your Bibles and look at verse number 2. Nehemiah 8, verse number two, the Bible says, and Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both the men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, notice this, upon the first day of the seventh month. Now, that tells me this, that tells me that this worship service that we read about in Nehemiah chapter eight was everything but accidental. <laughs> it was very much on purpose. In fact, it was very, very planned, and I believe this, in fact, I don't believe there's any way we could miss that. This service was very, very thought out. And so there was planning involved in this time of worship. Not only that, but how about this number next is we see preparation. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8 in your Bibles and look at verse number 4. And I just think this is really neat. And uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse number 4, the Bible says, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Sheman and uh, Anan, Uriah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand. And on his left hand, well, there was Padaiah and Mishael and, and Malchiah and Hashem and Hashbadana, Zechariah and Meshulam. Now, again, 
understand something that, that God didn't just put anything. This is not extemporaneous material. This is something that God purposely put in his word. And the reason he put it there is because he wants us to learn something from it. And so we not only see that there was planning, but we see that there was, there, there was enormous preparation. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, somebody had, to, somebody had to build the pulpit. Now, I believe probably what they're talking about is a platform. Uh, the Bible says it, uh, uh, at least in some way or fashion, uh, that Ezra stood upon this pulpit of wood. And so maybe it was something like this. I'm not sure, but, I, but evidently it was a platform because the Bible says that, that Ezra stood above the people. And, uh, and the Bible says that, that it was made for the purpose. And so that tells me that, man, some of the men got together, some of the guys who knew how to build and, and nail nails and, and knew something about wood and, and uh, contractor-type work, and they got together and they built this pulpit and they built this platform and they did it all for the service. Not only preparation of a pulpit and a platform, but we notice here preparation of people to help expand, expound the Scriptures. What we read in the latter part of verse number 4 all these people, that the, all these names, Mattathias, uh, Shema, uh, Anaya, Uriah, Hokiah, Messiah, all these guys, let me tell you what they were. They were uh, helpers that were helping Ezra in explaining the law, in explaining the word of God uh, to the people of God. Well, we do, we do something similar to that at Calvary Baptist Church. We have Sunday school. And we have other people that come and they'll expound the scriptures, maybe back in the classroom, maybe in here. Uh, from time to time, we'll have other people that will preach from the pulpit or teach from the pulpit. And so we see the uh, preparation of people to help expound the scriptures. Then, then I noticed something else that I maybe had never noticed before. We noticed the preparation of leadership for future ministry. Look at uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 13. Well, they've had a great day. They've had a great time of worship. But look at Nehemiah 8 and verse 13. The Bible says, and on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests uh, and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe. Look at the last part. Even to understand the words of the law. What are they doing? They're getting the leadership ready to minister to the people. It's exactly what's going on. And so they're having a, a meeting in the minds. They're having a staff meeting, whatever you want to call it. And they're getting all their leadership together, all their teachers and the priests. And they're saying, and boy, they're talking about the scriptures. And this is what they're going to be probably teaching on the next day. And, and, uh, and so again, the idea is this, that we see planning and we see preparation. But there's something else very important we see here. Number next is this, we see people. Now, look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 5. The Bible says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight, look at this next phrase, of all the people. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Man, I, now I added that today. I never had really noticed that. And then as I got to the church tonight, I thought, Lord, of those 13 verses we're going to read tonight, I wonder how many of those 13 verses reference the people. And so in my office just a few minutes ago, I went back and read through this scripture again, and I noticed that eight of the 12 verses, eight of the 13 verses that we read tonight all reference the people. They say, preacher, okay. Is that a big deal? Well, I, I really think it is a big deal. Number one, you don't have ministry unless you have people. And there are some churches that say, you know what, we're not concerned about numbers. We're not concerned about numbers. 
We, we don't care about, you know, we, we don't really care who shows up. And by the way, in most churches that, that, that have that kind of mentality, it shows. Because they don't have very many. So I just want to say this to Calvary Baptist Church tonight in case anybody is wondering. We are concerned about numbers. We are. Now you say, Pastor, why though? And let me tell you why. Because every number is a soul. So that means this, the more you say, Pastor, why are you so passionate about the church growing and people coming in and all that? I'll tell you why. Because every time new people come, there's an opportunity for somebody to hear the gospel and there's an opportunity for somebody to come to Jesus Christ. And, and so, listen, I love you. Don't get me wrong. I love you to death. And, and I want you to keep coming and I want you to be faithful. But I'm going to tell you what, it thrills my soul when I see visit, visitors walk in these doors and, and sit in these seats and people that I don't know and I don't know who they are and where they came from and I don't know about their spiritual condition and every time a visitor walks in this place I'm thinking oh yeah this might be the day this might be the opportunity that they might come to the Lord Jesus Christ and so the more people we have the more opportunity we have to share the gospel with more and more people but there's something else we care about numbers because every number needs the word of God Pastor, what's the big deal about the church growing? Because you need the Bible, and so do I. We need God's Word, especially in the day in which we're living. Oh, man, if there is anything that we need, we need this book that we preach and teach every single week. And so we see planning. We see preparation. We see people, but there's something else. How about this? We see participation. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8, look at verse number 6. I, I love this. The Bible says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. <laughs> and they didn't just say it once, did they? Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So we see participation. And I know sometimes people come to Calvary and boy, we'll have a good service and God begins to bless. And man, we'll see somebody raise their hand or somebody says glory or something. And, and, and I know sometimes people come in there and think, man, what in the world's going on down there? Well, we're just worshiping like the Bible puts it out there. And so we see planning, we see preparation, we see people, we see participation. But I love this. How about this, church? We see passion. Passion. Look, look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 3. This is beautiful. The Bible says in verse 3, and he, talking about Ezra, and he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, look at this, Calvary, from the morning until midday. Before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. You know what that tells me? Man, there were some people here that were hungry for the word. They were hungry. Listen, they're standing in an open air meeting from morning until noon. And we don't have anywhere in the Bible that tells us there was a pew or a chair or air conditioning or even shade. But the Bible says here, these people stood there. We don't find any word where anybody's complaining, anybody's murmuring. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about passion. <laughs> the 
These people were passionate. They were hungry for the word of God. But not only that, but look at this church. These people were moved by the word. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 9. The Bible says in verse 9, And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites taught the people, uh, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. Now, wait a minute now. Why were they having to tell the people not to weep? You know why? They were weeping. (laughs) They were weeping. Look what it says. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Wow. Well, wouldn't it be a high day at Calvary Baptist Church when we came in here on Sunday and we start reading the Word of God, people just start weeping. You say, Pastor, is that that what's going on? That's exactly what's going on. And so we find that these people are hungry for the Word. We find these people are moved by the Word. But then only that, I noticed that these people were excited because they understood the Word. Look at Nehemiah 8, verse number 12. The Bible says, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions to make great mirth. Look at the last part. Because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Man, they were so uh, excited because the word of God was making sense. The law was making sense. and, And they went away joyful and rejoicing and praising the Lord because maybe there was some for the first time that said, man, I never noticed that. I never saw that. I know. The Lord never showed me that, man. And they went away rejoicing because they understood the words of the law. Now, the point that I'm trying to make tonight is this, that there were tons of work and there were tons of planning and organization that went into the worship of the Hebrew people. It was important and it was an event. Now, love Nehemiah 8, one of my favorite passages. But I I begin to think about this. Lord, is there any other example in the Old Testament that might prove what I'm talking about tonight, that worship was, in fact, an event. And there is. So I tell you what let's do. Let's hit the rewind button, and let's back up 519 years. 519 years from the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 5 in your Bibles and look at verse number 1 tonight. And again, I know we're reading a lot of Scripture this evening, but uh, boy, it, it's, it's, it's worthy of this. And so 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and look at verse number 1. Solomon, uh, the son of David, has just built a house for the Lord. And notice what happens here. This is so important. Second Chronicles chapter five and verse number one. The Bible says, and I'll read this quickly. The Bible says, thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David, his father, dedicated and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put among the treasures of the house of God. Look at verse two. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, uh, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord uh, out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. Look at verse 5 and verse 6. And they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up. Also King Solomon 
And all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. Now, skip down, same chapter. Skip down to verse number 12 tonight. Look at verse number 12. This is so interesting. Boy, stay with me, Calvary. Stay with me. Verse 12, also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. And it came to even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Look at this, look at this. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Now, let me tell you what we see saturated in this scripture that we just read tonight. These same points. We see people, we see preparation, we see practice, we see participation, we see planning, and we see passion. Now, again, what I'm trying to point out tonight is this, that this was not a worship service that was thrown together at the last minute. Man, this thing happened on purpose. This, what, are you, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say that this was a major event. It was big. Hey, did you notice? Just several things I just underlined. Did you notice in the scripture we just read that all the singers are dressed the same? By the way, we didn't have, as far as I know, we did not have one negative a remark when we did this, but several months ago when we had a special day, Brother Brandon asked our choir to all dress the same. And by the way, not one negative remark I heard about it. If there was a negative remark, I never heard. But maybe, uh, uh, maybe every once in a while, people may come to the church and they'll think, you know, Brandon, I think you're a little overdoing it there, bro. Really? It's not what the Bible says. All these people were dressed the same. They were all dressed in white linen. I'll tell you something else I noticed I noticed in verse number 12, they were all standing in a designated spot. I can you believe that Brother Brandon has the audacity to put a piece of tape down and he wants me to stand in a designated place? Boy, everybody all right tonight? Now, you know what we're preaching? I'm preaching the Bible tonight. Do you know why these folks all dressed the same and why some of them stood in a designated spot? You know why? Because, man, this was big. <laughs> man, this wasn't, this wasn't accident. This was big. I mean, this was a big service and this was big ministry. And, and then on top of that, I noticed that, I noticed that there were 120 priests that are playing 120 trumpets. Can you imagine what that sounded like? Man, I hope when we get to heaven, God will rewind some of this stuff and let us go back and see it. I mean, it, this, had to be, this had to be incredible. And not only that, but we notice that the Bible says they sacrifice oxen and sheep. Uh, and the Bible doesn't give a number. Well, you know what? If you go back, if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 8, you know what the Bible says about that number? They sacrifice 22,000 oxen 
and they sacrificed 120,000 sheep in seven days. Now, again, the whole emphasis that I'm trying to put out there tonight is this. This was big church. This was huge, huge. Uh, this, was, uh, this was not something that was just thrown together. And I'm going to tell you something else that we learned from this. And I really, I believe we learned this from this. Another, I put this in big, bold caps in my outline. Uh, another great lesson we learned is that the worship of God's people required a huge financial investment. What do you mean? You don't sacrifice 22,000 sheep and a, a 22,000 auction and 120,000 sheep without it costing somebody something. Somebody paid, buddy, a lot for this. Somebody sacrificed. Somebody took uh, sheep out of their flock. Somebody took an oxen that, that maybe was a beautiful oxen and, and maybe they could have got a lot of money for it, but they, but they brought it to the house of the Lord and they said, man, uh, this is so big and God is so big and, and I want to give my sheep or I want to give five of my sheep or I, I want to give three of my oxen. And, uh, and it, it was, it was a, few, a huge financial investment. And from time to time, people will come through the church and they'll say, preacher, I don't think you ought to spend that money and I, I don't think we ought to buy that microphone and, and I don't think we ought to... I I don't think we ought to buy that instrument and I don't think we ought to, we ought to spend $500 there. Listen to me. This is all I'm saying. That if, if what we do here at Calvary Baptist Church will enhance the worship service at Calvary, you know what we ought to do? We ought to do it. And I don't know of any squabbling, but there shouldn't be any. And so I, I don't think there's not one. I don't think there's not one in here tonight. But I'm just telling you, as this church grows, if people come in here and they say, I don't think that was right. I don't, I don't think that was right to buy that keyboard. Uh, you know what? You just tell them to shut up. I don't, think, I don't think that was right to spend $1,000 to buy that instrument or I don't think that was right, you know, for all those people to wear the same outfit and look sharp as a tack and I don't think that was right. Listen, then you just tell them, why don't you just go on down the road uh, to somewhere that they just sort of do it in a slipshod way. Nobody really gives a rip about it and, and uh, but uh, by the grace of God, we're gonna, we're gonna count worship as a big deal at Calvary Baptist Church. It is big. And so I, I, I said all that to say this. I believe that God is dishonored when our worship is haphazard and accidental and unplanned. Now, Pastor, why are you teaching that? Because that seems to be the norm in a lot of churches today. I mean, it's like churches come together. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nothing's planned. There's not an order of service. Well, we don't believe in order of service. Well, we have an order of service, but it's subject to change. If the Holy Ghost leads us another way, we'll forget the order of service. But you know what? The Bible says let all things be done decently and in order. 
And, but, but yet churches all over America, it just seems like that, that things are just sort of thrown together and, and then nothing's planned and nothing's prepared and nothing's prayed over and, uh, and there's little participation. And, and that's why, that's why so many people come to the house of God uh, one way and they leave the same way. They, they, come, they, they, they come as they are and they leave as they were. I mean, there's, just, there's nothing there. There's no power. There's no passion. There's nothing. And I'm just, I'm just saying this, Calvary, hey, Worship is big at this church tonight. It's big. God is dishonored when our worship is haphazard. What do you mean, pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm talking about music services that are conducted without any thought. And again, please. And I, you know, just coming into the service tonight, I'm thinking, Lord, you sure you want me to say some of this stuff? I'll just leave it out. And so please don't take this as critical. And I understand that there are some people, they're just doing the best they can. And this is not a slam against anybody tonight. But I'm talking about church after church after church after church across America. Nothing's planned. And so they crank their Wednesday night service up, and the song leader gets up and says, All right, what are we going to sing tonight? Let me get my book back here. Oh, where's my book? Anybody seen my book? And then he takes it, he turns over the song, and he says to the pianist, if there is one, you know that one? Let's sing, let's sing that. Everybody take your songbooks and turn it over to number 95. What? Oh, you don't know that one. Okay. Let's see. Let's turn over. Does anybody have a suggestion? Church, I'm not. Listen to me tonight. I'm not trying to be critical. But I, I, but I am saying this, that's what's going on in a lot of churches where the choir gets up to sing and there's not enough books. And they're, they're, they're trying to scrounge books. I'm talking about the service has already started. They're trying to scrounge books and you know people are running to try to find a book and then they got the books they don't have the right pages in it. And, 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 and you can tell what's going on while the service is going on. They're, they're leaning over. You have, you have this page? Hey, you have this page? This is all going on during service. Now, again, you know what I'm saying, church? I'm saying somewhere along the line, somebody didn't plan. This wasn't, it, it, it wasn't big to them. Uh, and and, and uh, worship ought to be, it ought to be an event. Now, I must say, and I'm, I'm treading on very thin ice right here. But this is Wednesday, and this is our crowd. And so I can say this to our crowd, at least I, I believe I can. I'm not anti-soundtrack tonight. And we've taught this through the years. We don't use them at Calvary, but, I, but we've taught our people, listen, if we go to a visiting church, or we go to a church somewhere, and they use a soundtrack, and it's a blessing, say amen. Don't be a Pharisee. Man, if you go somewhere, and they're using a soundtrack, and it's great, man, say glory, and, and, and rejoice, and praise the Lord. It's just something we don't, it's something the Lord led us not to do. That don't mean every church is, is going to do that. Sometimes uh, church planners will start a church. They don't have a pianist, and they have to use recorded music. Man, I, listen, I get that. There's not a one-size-fits-all. And so I'm not against soundtracks tonight, but let me tell you what I am against. I am against soundtracks if it's only because it's easy. Nobody has to practice. Nobody has to, you know, plan or prepare. And how many times have I been to churches where they got up and, 
And they said, y'all pray for me now. I'm going to sing. Uh, I'm going to sing How Great Thou Art. And I hope it's a blessing to you. All right, y'all start it back there. Go ahead and start it. Y'all go ahead and start it back there. I want to start it back there. And then they start it. It's not in the right place. Uh, that's not it. That, that's not it. Can you, can you rewind that? Can you go back? Can, can, no. Go, go to. The, y'all see what I'm talking about tonight. Church, this is all I'm saying. I don't mean to be. I, don't, I, don't, I, I didn't come here tonight to offend anybody or make anybody say something controversial. I'm just telling you, this is an event. People say, I don't, I don't understand why a preacher does what he does. Let me tell you why we do it. Because this is an event. This, this is big. You say, preacher, we having a big day Sunday? Oh, yes. Every Sunday is a big day at Calvary. Every Sunday you say, uh, preacher, uh, should the choir sing big for Sunday? Yes, because every Sunday is a big day and every service is a big service. And, and every time that we meet together, hey, I'm telling you, it's an event, my dear friend. I'm talking about music services that are conducted without any thought. I'm talking about messages that haven't been studied out. And how many know tonight that God wants his men prioritizing study and preparation? I'm, I, we're going to bring this thing. It's 832. We've got to bring this thing to a close. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about messy dwellings. Did you know there's nothing much worse than a church that hasn't been cared for? I'm talking about church, a church that's unclean, a church that's unorganized, a church when you come in and everything's laying all, all over the seats, books aren't organized, there's trash underneath the seats, there's leaves all over the front sidewalk. I'm talking about a, a church lawn that's unkept and weeds are growing up, a floor that hasn't been swept. Now again, church, this is all I'm saying tonight. Worship ought to be an event. This is big. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that what Solomon and the Israelites were doing over there in Second Chronicles, I don't believe it's any more important than what we're doing tonight. This is a big, big event. You know, it's no surprise that where you're living at right now, the southeastern United States is considered to be one of the most conservative places in the entire world. We don't live in the Bible or in the Bible belt. Man, we live in the buckle. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, North Carolina, you check this out. North Carolina is one of the most conservative states uh, anywhere. Uh, I know that little by little we're, we're changing. But the southeastern United States is a, is a very conservative compared to other parts of the world. You say, why is that preacher? I'll tell you exactly why. Because every single Sunday, there are churches like ours that are meeting together and worship is an event. When I'm sitting down there in the choir, the choir's singing up here, and I'm sitting down there sometimes, and sometimes I'll just open my iPad just to look over my outline, and when I open my iPad, I've got like notification after notification all the way down. This church just started. This church just started. This service just started. This service just started. And they're all our kind of church. And I'm thinking, man, 
Maybe there is some hope in America. Maybe there is. Old illustration. Alexis Tocqueville. The French historian said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, it was not there. In her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. And he said, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness that I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Well, how true that is. Man, church, you know what? We're privileged to be able to be a part of something like this. Amen. 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 Now, listen, if you go somewhere and they're not organized, whatever the case may be, don't, don't, don't you walk in there like a Pharisee. I'm not saying that at all. Not at all. But, I, but this is what I mean. At Calvary Baptist Church, he's worthy of our utmost best. And let's make sure, Calvary, whatever ministry you're involved in, whatever part of worship you're involved in, good night. Let's make sure that we do. Let's give it 150% every single time. Let's bow for prayer tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. And Lord, thank you for this subject of worship. Father, you're worth it. You're worth doing it right. You're worth prayer. You're worth practice. You're worth planning. You're worth preparation. You're worth going without sleep. You're worth spending extra hours at the church. You're worth practicing that special again. You're worth that extra amount of study. Lord, you're worth it. I hope, that's, I hope that's how I came across tonight. Because, Lord, that's what I'm trying to say. You are worthy of our best. Father, thank you for teaching us this lesson tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this time of invitation. Lord, it could be there's somebody here tonight that needs to uh, be saved. It could be there's someone here tonight that needs to rededicate their life to Christ. Lord, it could be somebody's here tonight and they're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church and you're leading them to Calvary. It could be many things. Lord, it might be a burden. Well, I'm so glad burdens are lifted at Calvary. And somebody might need to just tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar before we leave. And Lord, let you bear that burden for them. So Father, have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question or two. We're going to be out of here tonight. How many of you here this evening say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would go to heaven. I know that I'm saved. And if that's you, you'd raise your hand tonight. Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this. Is there one here tonight, anywhere, and you would let me pray for you? 
And you'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure. If that's you, just slip your hand up tonight. Is there one? You're serious about it. Preacher, remember me. I see that hand. Is there another? Is there another? Well, heaven's real. And hell is real. Something to think about. I see these hands. I'm going to pray tonight. Why don't we do this? Let's just all stand around the house tonight. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. Father, I pray that you would work in the hearts of these that have raised their hands this evening. Father, show them how how important eternity is, how long eternity is, and how important it is that they allow Jesus to come into their heart and life and be their Savior. Father, tonight, I pray that you'd bless in this invitation. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd do that which only you can. And God, maybe, again, maybe there's somebody here tonight that's struggling with an issue, maybe a burden or a valley. And tonight, they need to come and pray. Lord, I pray you'd work in their hearts tonight. We thank you for your blessings, and we love you tonight. In Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to make my way to the main floor just for a moment. And if you're here tonight and I can help you in any way, listen, I want you to come. All right, if you need to be saved, if you need prayer, if there's a decision you need to make, just come on right now and I'm going to be here to meet you. We'll pause just for a moment. You come.